And today our task is to put the X-Men back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was sparked by the patron site of the Feral Entertainment brand, that being Stan Lee, God Amongst Insects. Um, he said, now again, we are taking this from the, the mouth of a, first of all, 92-year-old. I'm not saying that Stan Lee's senile, but he's not as sharp as a whip as he maybe used to be. And he is known to embellish a lot. Right, but we are not here to question it, the you know the sayings of our God on this podcast. So we'll just stick with what <laughs> One Stan of them. says. There's him, Feige, and Max Landis. They we are, have there quite are a deities. Few. And Bruce Forsyth, of course. Oh, poor Bruce. Right, um, but Stan the Man said that this can be interpreted a lot of ways. We're taking it literally that he said that Disney are talking to Fox about getting the X Men back. Didn't really mention Fantastic Four, but you think they'd come as like a bundle. Yeah. Right, they're like the Happy Meal toy, but you don't yeah. really, you didn't ask for it, but it's coming anyway. Um, so, so they'd be coming with, um, and and yeah, he said, look, sooner rather than later, you're going to have more superheroes than you can shake a stick at. Now that is something we've all waited for a long, long time. Now I've I've been of the opinion that I actually think it's it's somewhat beneficial to have the X-Men away from the MCU. For now, definitely. For now, just because I think there's so many characters in the X-Men. They actually have probably the best like diversity, the best um, squad depth yeah. of any of the Marvel properties. I mean, Spider-Man, it's basically just Spider-Man, and then you have all these villains, which is a problem that Sony are facing. They've got a spin-off with not a very deep roster. Whereas the X-Men, you have so many characters in there that can and have helmed their own comic books before and could be right for making a movie on their own. Plus all the Splinter teams. Because when the X-Men exploded in the 80s and the 90s, they had every X-Men comic book under the sun. And we're only just seeing that kind of calm down there because Marvel are like, cycling back their amount of uh, mutants. Having said that, their big character return for Legacy is a, is a mutant. So yeah. I think those people that were worried that the X-Men were going to get Fantastic Forward and we were going to have to put up with the fucking Inhumans. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, we completely missed the chance to go and see in IMAX. Yep, 100%. they had it. They had it at Cineworld in, in Birmingham oh, no and we way. completely fucking missed it. Oh, wow. <laughs> But, oh, God, I'm looking forward to throwing that under the bus. Yeah, that should be interesting. Oh, good fucking God. I'm glad it... I, that might actually be the thing that spurned Disney into action. That's because true. if the replacement X-Men have failed, then they've got to go and get the X-Men. Yeah, because if, if they're not going to work, and if it turns out that your best version of the Inhumans is on fucking S.H.I.E.L.D. I know. Maybe you're I in know. trouble. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. Oh, God, apparently they've shit the bed so hard that he might not even make it to full season. Oh my god! Might, and then season two is like a remote. You probably have more chance of the X Men joining the MCU <laughs> yeah. than getting season two of the Inhumans. Anyway, um, so we've taken Stanley's word that uh, this is actually something that's happened, and we're here to pitch you ever two versions of putting the X Men into the MCU. That's right. Um, now I you started last week, so this week I will start, and yep. then we'll reset the flip from uh, yes, we will. from the previous well the next project, which I don't know which last we'll week. Well, we're still, we're still working on our, um, our DC pitches, which I think we'll do close to the time of Justice League, where we're both going to pitch a new movie in the DCEU, which apparently we're not meant to call it anymore. 
Well, it's not the DCEU anymore? No, because that was never actually officially used by DC or Warner Brothers. So what is it? I don't know. They oh. just annoyed us for calling it that. Oh. But there we are. Um, so yeah, we're going to pitch that. I've already got my character sorted out. I know who I'm pitching. I think you do too? Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Okay, good. We haven't really, you know, filled them out yet, but that will be coming close to the time in Just Leave. But yeah, that's when we'll reset the Who Goes First. But for now, Michael, you can kick us off. Um... Just a bit of preamble. Obviously, there's a lot of ways to go about this. We've definitely taken different routes. That we have. Um, you could do crossover. You could do um, full-born reboot in the MCU canon or some variation on those two. Um, but yeah, those kind of represent what we have gone for. Maggle, kick us off. So I really comfy. So I really think that like Spider-Man showed what you can do introducing a new character into the MCU. And I really feel like it showed the natural progression that it takes to get a character that has been so um, so, so, so publicised and, and repeated in, in, in terms of pub, public media and movies that you can, you can do it again without having any fatigue. But the way you have to do it is a hard reboot. In, in my eyes, there's no other way of doing it because you are forever going to be... I mean, as much as as much as the the flag-bearer movie for, say, like Superman will forever be Christopher Reeve, yep. you essentially have to accept that Henry Cavill's playing that character now. And as much as for many people, Spider-Man is Tobey Maguire, we've got Tom Holland now, who is my preferred Spider-Man still. But, I you know. think I know what you're driving at, in that you actually have to solve the biggest problem of all. We both had to do this. Yes. In that no one actor has been more synonymous with a superhero than Hugh Jackman was with Wolverine. That's correct. The most unenviable job in all of Hollywood right now. It previously was who was going to be the Joker next. But frankly, they had a gimme and just said, we'll just throw Jared Leto to the walls and be done with it. Yeah. And we'll just follow that up with a better choice. But yeah, you've got to replace Hugh Jackman as well. We both have replacing well, Hugh Jackman. Uh, well, as in, in my setup, you have to replace everyone. Yeah. That's a big problem because God. you have to replace Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot of a lot of people that you have to yeah. sort of work around. Yeah. So here's my take on that. Again, you, ha- you have to do the hard reboot. You have to recast every single person. You have to do it with people who have not been in any related Marvel me- media. If you can help it. <laughs> in itself, a fucking task yeah, at this point. No kidding, right? That also haven't been in a DC movie. Yeah, but still somehow would really fit the parts. And uh-huh. I, I, think, I think I've got it right, but we'll find we'll out. We'll see. So you have to set this up properly, right? Which means that you kind of have to hope that things will happen. So in... In my perfect version of events, the following things happen before we're even introduced to any characters. Mm-hmm. Quicksilver has to return to life. Now, it's a bit of a long stretch, but obviously you've got the Infinity Stones there. We can do something with reviving people. Obviously, we know Vision's going to have to go down in order for Infinity War Part 2, whatever the fuck they're calling it now, to even happen. So, Vision has to go down. Quicksilver has to come back, which is so far-fetched, but I think it can be done. And I do think that Wasting Aaron Taylor-Johnson was a bad idea. Trust me, you're not going to stretch the boundaries of far-fetchedness in comparison to my pitch. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay, fair enough. So that's got to happen. We're going to have to get Aaron Taylor-Johnson back because he's Quicksilver. And I think that we do need Quicksilver, certainly for one of one of my movies on my roadmap. Uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver do need to reconnect. I, I think that that needs to be a very big plot point. Um, off the back of the death of the Vision. Obviously, you can still have him come back as Jarvis. Maybe. I don't know. But Vision needs to die, and I think Vision needs to stay dead for a while in order to give somebody uh, for Scarlet Witch to play off, maybe give her a starring role uh, in upcoming movies, which we'll get to. Uh, More importantly, I think we need to kill off Nick Fury. 
Yeah, now this seems a bit of a weird one, right? Mm. In my perfect version of events, Nick Fury, you know the whole Man on the Wall storyline? No. Um, essentially, the Man on the Wall storyline is that Nick Fury becomes this omnipotent being that protects the universes. I kind of want to take a leap out of that. I'll maybe put Sam Jackson away for now, and if he ever wants to return in a cameo role, or in a flashback movie like Captain, um, Marvel. Like Captain Marvel will be, then that's fine. But I think... He doesn't really have a place anymore. And I think S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to be used to to incorporate new characters in new and interesting ways because it's a, it's a global thing. So in my version of events, you either stick him on the wall or you kill him. It doesn't really matter. Either way, Tony Stark now taking a backseat role, a, a sort of the guy in the chair role as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. with his new underling being Maria Hill. Which is great because I feel like we've vastly underused Maria Hill. Colby Slaughters is a fantastic actress. So she's actually going to be our gateway into the X-Men universe. Ooh. Which is interesting. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll come to that. So it doesn't matter what movie that this is tied to. But one movie that doesn't really need an end credit scene has this one. Now, what happens is Maria Hill, you come into her in this scene. She's gone incognito at a UN hearing for proposed Sokovia Amendments. Uh, one of the speakers is uh, being identified as a person of interest. Uh, and while she's there, she sits next to this unassuming gentleman with a, a German accent who introduces himself as Max and is interested in why an American agent is here. I mean, not that she knows that she's an American agent, or does he? Eh. Um, this character is played by Christoph Waltz, who we'll get to in a minute. Uh, so then we're introduced to one of the speakers for the Sokovia um, Amendments, Professor Charles Xavier from the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters, played by Mark Strong. Oof. Now, okay. are you seeing what I'm doing I'm here? I'm into that. Yeah. We, I've intentionally gone for two older, more, but, but not as old as what we've seen. So somewhere in the middle between McAvoy and Stewart, uh, I think, is where Mark okay, Strong yes. is. And somewhere in between Fassbender and McKellen is where I think Christoph Waltz could really work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have them. At this hearing, Charles Xavier gives an instruction, like, my name is Professor Charles Xavier, I run a school for gifted individuals who, until the implementation of the Sokovia Accords, have been able to live peacefully in secret. However, you know, world events has meant that they've been ostracised. Uh, we're seeing hate crimes rise up against these people. It's my belief that unnecessary hate and segregation should be, you know, completely obliterated. I have an institute where I can keep them inside walls and safe and learn to deal with their abilities. Because the underlying current of the X-Men, and something that I think... Have, has been ignored in the MCU, definitely, is naturally occurring powers. Mm-hmm. Think about it. There's not many of them. Iron no. Man is a suit. Captain America is a serum. So is the Hulk. Thor is an alien. Think about it. Not The two normal people of um, Hawkeye and Black Widow are normal people. Then you've got Black Panther. That's a suit. You've got Spider-Man. That's a spider bite. All of these people have had powers in forced upon their yeah. life. Nobody's really had to learn to grow up with a power so far in the MCU. Yeah, Doctor Strange, no. Yeah, Doctor Strange. Ant-Man, no. No. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, no. No, but the thing, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, we don't know how latent their abilities were yeah. before. So that that's your in. Your in is naturally occurring powers. Maybe you do a fallout from uh, in like the Inhumans about the Terrigan Mists. Or, or yeah, maybe yeah. you just say, since the event, since New York... It's kind of weird how there's lots of people rocking about with powers now. Yeah. So that's that's okay. your in. All right. Um, 
at this hearing, you introduce another character for the first full-blown movie, Senator Robert Kelly. I think you have to have that character as a minor villain for the first movie. In my movie, he's played by Robert Patrick, the T-1000 himself. Oh, okay, cool. That'd be cool. So he's kind of like the uh, the opposing force in, yeah. in these hearings. He's sort of like branding a new wave of naturally occurring people as mutant humans. Mm-hmm. So you get the mutant, you get the mutant word out of the way in the post credit scene. Okay. Where it's setting them up. Um, so he brands them as sort of like unpredictable or a manipulative risk to the country, if not the world. The hearing pretty much is, is going inconclusively. There's no real one side that's winning this. Um, now, Max, who kind of knows what stake that, that Hill has here, mm. he's kind of like, I was curious, like, why are you here? And Hill's like, I, I came to hear Professor Charles Xavier speak, uh, to which Max says, so did I. I came to see what my old friend was doing. And he sort of like leans in and goes, Miss Hill, we're on the brink of war. Flips a coin into the air, which slowly stops rotating. And then as it comes into shot, you see a burnt Nazi sigil on the coin. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a right mark. And he says, this is a war that I've seen before. It's one with an ending I don't wish to repeat. Then you have a moment where Charles and Max lock eyes. Yeah. And then you end the scene with um, Christoph Waltz standing up and shooting the coin towards... uh, Mark Strong's Professor X and that's where you cut to black so this the scene that I'm proposing for the introduction is actually a cut scene from the upcoming movie right so it's not like it's its own set up standalone thing but it will be introduced back into the movie like how we saw Winter Soldier in the voice at the end of Ant-Man essentially yeah that's what I'm pitching here right so that's an out out of context yet somehow still perfectly standalone scene to introduce our two figureheads for the movie which I am calling Uncanny X-Men. Nice. You have to go with the original one. And here's where my play in this is, Darren. We're doing First Class. Now, I know what you're thinking. We've done First Class. It was called X-Men First, first class. class. However, Uncanny X-Men is the true First Class movie. It's about S.H.I.E.L.D.'s investigation of the Xavier Institute for Gifted Youngsters, the formation and the initial conflict between them and the Brotherhood of Mutants, all surrounding the Sokovia Amendments. So... You have to kind of bring a lot of the bureaucracy that was introduced in Civil War mm-hmm. into the forefront of this, but I do think that there's something Sounds there. Phantom Menace to me. However, you also introduce a franchise-long enemy mm. that isn't Magneto. Oh. Magneto is your villain, but he's not your villain. Right. So <laughs> let me just let me just roll this down. So this is the movie I've planned out. Okay. Kind of like I've thought about the beats and I've thought about the characters, and I think I know where I want this movie to go. So. Uncanny X-Men will open up with Tony Stark sending Maria Hill to investigate the Xavier's Institute and investigate naturally occurring powers. Xavier welcomes Maria into the school, shows them around. Uh, He's trying to say that mutants is a slur, essentially. You're going to try and do the whole language politics thing that seems prevalent in society nowadays. Make it reflective. Make it matter, I guess. Um, So over the course of a number of interviews and visits, Maria starts to see the uh, merit of the the mutant plight, essentially. Uh, She softens her views of people with naturally occurring powers. Uh, The faculty at the Xavier Institute, of course Xavier himself, uh, Hank McCoy, Beast, played, you're going to like this one, by Ewan McGregor. Oh! You see what I mean? Ah. Now my pitch for Beast is, Beast is CGI. Now think about it. 
Has Beast ever looked good as makeup? I think Kelsey Grammer, because of how oh, big he is. Kelsey Grammer as Beast in X-Men 3 was utterly perfect and without flaw. Yeah, but think about Nick Holt's version of Beast. I think he not, looks too much mm, like a cat suit, if you know what I mean. actually Matthew Vaughan saying, he needs to be furry. No, no. dickhead, no. My, my pitch for this is you either do you do like a big burly, burly version of Beast or you do the cat Beast version with like oh, the panther head. Yeah, I don't like cat Beast. Well, you've got to make it visually distinctive, I think. Okay. So, so when it's... When it's Hank McCoy, it's Ewan McGregor. When it's Beast, it's a mocap. Like Silverback Gorilla type yes, deal. Yes, essentially okay. you, you go down the Wolf of the Plants of the Apes route and you do it as a All mocap. Right, okay, cool. I think that'd be interesting. Um, Scott Summers is, of course, on the uh, the junior body, essentially. Yeah. Um, this one was a difficult one to cast. I settled on Scott Eastwood. Uh, okay. Because you want somebody who's buff enough and good enough, but not... But but can maybe develop an arrogance and a bit white bread. Yes, right. Okay. Because in my head he's not interesting, so I cast somebody who was not interesting. Bread. And of course, Jean Grey is also going to be on that, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Because God damn it, we need her back in something like this. She yeah. was so good in Scott Pilgrim. I think she could make a fantastic Jean Grey. That's a good choice. Um, and For then sake. A, now your your eyes into the movie are coming from two different ways. They're also coming. They're coming from the investigative. What is the mutants yeah. from Maria Hill? But you're also getting the eyes in from two new students, Bobby Drake and Warren Worthington, okay. otherwise, otherwise known as Iceman and Angel. So there you have the original team that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is from issue one of Uncanny X Men. That same team, by the way, Bobby Drake and Sel Elgort. That is my new Iceman. Yep. And of course, Warren Worthington. Angel has one role in these movies, right? That's to kind of be beautiful and badass. Why the fuck have we not cast Zac Efron yet? Oh, yeah. That's a good... Yeah, yep, yep, yeah, yep. That can work. So they're, they're kind of the at-odds frenemies. I, I think their dynamic could be really I cool. I feel like you're going to throw a girl into this. Maybe. Um... So essentially, they're introduced uh, as the new victims. Uh, new victims? No, they're new students that were victims of hate crimes. Right. Warren was kicked out of an expensive boarding school after he revealed his wings trying to save a girl falling from a building. Nice. Uh, and Bobby was sort of like the victim of like a southern-style lynch mob after he accidentally encased a school bully in ice. Right. I feel like that you can definitely have like the whole conflicting moralities of being a hero yeah, because yeah. Warren would have been celebrated, but. You know, celebrated for his heroism, but not for how he is yeah. as, as a person. Mm. Whereas Bobby gets the opposite, that he's essentially accidentally used his powers to try yeah. and save somebody and it's really ended badly. Um, so you go back to Maria Hell, who's learning about mutants from all walks of life and how they're going to face prejudice for something they can't control unless institutes like Xavier's are allowed some lax. This, this is why mm. they're proposing the Sokovia Amendments, because Sokovia Accords are essentially saying, if you've got powers, you need to go on a register. Yeah. Which, you know, it's not fun for anybody. No. At the same time, Max Eisenhardt. By the way, nobody knows that Magneto's real name is Max Eisenhardt, I found out. Right. If you say Eric Lenscher, everybody knows. Yeah. But his actual birth name is Max Eisenhardt. That's how you make this different. You don't do the Eric Lenscher thing. I think right. you, ha- you stick as Max Eisenhardt okay. to show that it's a different Magneto. Yeah. Um, you have him as kind of like this older gentleman living in, in America. Uh, so he's in this slum when we first in- introduce him. And he's he essentially saves a young biker girl uh, from being uh, uh, lynched, Which of um, Christoph Waltz's 45 accents have you gone for? Mm, that's a point, actually. I don't know. I think I'd go for a really nice blend of the accents from Inglorious Bastards and... Uh, Jango uh, and Jango. James. Okay. I, I think that's where you sit. You've got to have that Germanic influence yeah. because 
I am keeping that character's backstory. I'm keeping the fact that he was kept in an active concentration camp and was experimented on. He would be a lot older. He would be. However, he was experimented on by Hydra, so you know. Ah, so have I ruined a bit of your film there? Yeah, there is some Hydra stuff going on there. Sorry, carry on. No, no, it's absolutely fine. So he saves this young biker girl um, who's called Beth Alraruf, um, otherwise known as a mutant, known as Astra. I don't know whether you're familiar with this character. Astra is an interesting one because she was also introduced in a very early storyline as essentially somebody who idolises Magneto. Oh, okay. So I've introduced Magneto Magneto the Saver, essentially. Uh, Magneto was right. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, she's played by uh, a Chinese actress called Lin Yun, who I have cast purely because we need one. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. No, no, no. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. I didn't realise how much of a hand Disney actually has in the Chinese movie market until I started researching it. Uh, one of the most successful movies um, in China. The China's, Mermaid thing. The Mermaid, that's yeah. it. And they've got an upcoming Disney-branded movie called The Dreaming Man coming out at the end of this year, which also stars Lin Yun. So she's a very bankable actress. And I have watched some clips, and obviously I have to watch the subtitles songs, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But she can be very believable, and I do think she would be capable of picking up some kind of... Because, uh, I don't know, I, I like the idea that the kind of people that this Magneto would save would also be sort of like refugees and asylum yeah, seekers. Yeah. And the fact that she's got in bad with a biker gang, maybe you do it as a dogs of hell sort of... Thing okay, yeah. Would be really cool. So, essentially, the gang finds out that, that this character's got powers. Magneto comes in and saves her because he's reminded of the persecution that he faced during Nazi Germany in the hands of Hydra. Astra joins up with, um, uh, with, with Magneto, giving him the ability to start teleporting everywhere because that's Astra's power. Right, okay. Teleportation. So, Astra and... Um, Magneto, go and visit Charles. Uh, they go to Auschwitz, which is where they meet up every couple of years, uh, to reflect on the shifting tides of the world now that they're kind of kind of been discovered. Hatred is going to get events, go against them. A lot of superheroes are starting to die. Some of them are still fugitives. The background isn't exactly great at the minute. And Magneto's really thinking that this is the kind of the time to start saying it's time to be proud of who we are. Um, so differing ideologies essentially put a divide between Max and Charles. Uh, Max threatens, saying that he will show the world what mutants can do, what they're capable of, if they're pushed hard enough, downtrodden hard enough. He teleports away and he starts rescuing people. So essentially, Magneto's through line, it's still kind of evil, but he's doing good. He's rescuing people in danger. This is where you introduce a character working under uh, Thunderbolt Ross, because I want him back uh, for a cameo. Um, This character's called Jason Wingard. He's played by Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, You might remember him as Orson Krennic. Yeah, yeah. Um... So he's essentially a mutant who's pretty much gone unnoticed uh, until he is found out. He's sidelined, recruited by Magneto after he faces a court-martial under some strict Sokovia legislation. Uh, Upon their exit, you get a chance to see what Wingard's power is, which is telepathy and psychic suggestion. So you get to do like a... like them escaping unnoticed, essentially. Yeah, I've just remembered who he is. Yeah. Uh, You can also, at this point, introduce Mystique and Toad. Mm -hmm. Um, Who have I... Put down from Mystique and Toad. Yes, Mystique is Natalie Dormer. Oh! Come on now. That's a choice. Well done. And Toad, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Yep. Yep, great. Toad. Okay, great. So they're in. I think they're fantastic. I think Natalie that's... Natalie Dormer, well... Oh! Natalie Dormer has been in a Marvel movie. She has. 
very, 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 very briefly in the first Captain America movie. So I, I, I think it's. I think I think they were trying to get it back for something anyway. Yeah, so. I think I think we can get away with that. And if we introduce her as Mystique, we can do some interesting things. Of was that Mystique in that movie? Mm-hmm. What was Ooh. she trying to find out? <laughs> See what I mean? You annoy me sometimes. <laughs> it's good. So essentially, by this point, in, in the Magneto B-plot, he's got a form of the Brotherhood ready. He goes and attacks the X-Mansion where some of the kids, including Pyro, who I haven't mentioned at this point, but he's already at mm. the Academy, say like a year older than our two newcomers, who I have pitched as Tom Feldman. Who's Tom Feldman again? He's um, Draco. Oh, Tom Felton. Felton, is it? Yeah. Oh, I spelt it wrong. Um, but yeah, Tom Felton, Pyro, I think is a great oh, choice. All right. Uh, this is where Pyro actually is kind of like, you introduce him as kind of the, the emo kid. Right, right, right. And he's, he's kind of down on the whole thing. The world hates him, so he should hate the world. Okay. So during the attack, it only makes sense that he would join Magneto mm. with a collection of people who are tearing shit up. Oh, okay. I think that's a great thing to do. Uh, eventually, they are repelled by an incomplete X-Men team. Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Beast which is the first time you get to see Beast transform, by the way, yeah. essentially send them off. Um, so Maria Hill stumbles onto the lower levels of the mansion during the attack as she tries to keep safe. I mean, I get that she's a field agent. Maybe you could have a cool action scene with her facing off against Magneto as he slowly turns a gun round on her. I think that'd always, be pretty cool. Always good. Um, but no, she's out of her depth. She can't fight um, Super- superheroes. Yeah, she's not that. So this is where Xavier has to come clean about the intentions. That's where you discover the battle room. Mm. Uh, so it's danger like, room. The danger room, mm. sorry. Um, and this is where it says, look, I am preparing these mutants for any hardship that face their life. Sometimes those threats are physical. It'd be a really interesting thing. So like she thinks it's just kind of like an asylum for mm-hmm. uh, for people to escape the world. It's like, no, you're training them as weapons. Like It's like, and you can have a, a moment where it's like, is was shield any different bringing the avengers together you start doing team callbacks and yep. that and like the team would fall out maybe iceman doesn't want to be the one fighting anymore mm-hmm. so he's not okay with the idea of eventually you're going to have to train in the danger room right he'd make those splinters there so knowing that magneto would eventually rise up against him that's why he's got these students to train uh, but now Magneto is beginning the big turns Xavier knows he has very little time to put a full team together so he's like angel and iceman they're not ready for the danger room but we have to put them in the danger room right. to get them ready for what comes next. So the Brotherhood of Mutants, um, you've got led by Magneto, Astro at his side, Mastermind, if you didn't get that reference uh, yep. already, he's part of that team. Mystique, Toad and Pyro, there you go. They attack a US summit that Charles is going to be speaking at. That's where you put that scene in yep. that I did before, where Charles Xavier's like, we kind of need to have some amendments to the Sokovia Accords. There are children out there facing prejudice, and all the Magneto can think about is supremacy yeah so that'd be interesting so you get that thing in with senator kelly who's captured by magneto calling back to the first movie you can have an interesting sort of body horror scene if you really want to do it i haven't written it in but it's It's there if you want it so mutants are now regarded as highly dangerous after this attack on the u.s congress essentially um hate for them spreads across the country um charles faces the closure of his school magneto's got all the more reason to begin a war against humanity beast is the one who eventually reminds charles that regardless of what goes on they have got to stop magneto they've got to be heroes they have to be Mm x-men um maria hill informs tony stark of what's going on uh tony stark says okay and meets up with and you get to have a great scene between mark strong and uh robert Downey jr is like I know that you're going to get all your public funding cut because of this whole mutant ban thing. Yeah. But I'll bankroll you on one condition. This place gets turned into the Avengers Academy. 
Ah. Now that's a, a newer comic book run. I don't know whether you read Avengers. Again. No. It's essentially like uh, B and C listers becoming ch- tutors for new new mutants. Oh, and new... Right, okay. It's interesting. So it's reluctant, but Charles says, "Okay, yeah." Um, and so he's like, "Okay, I better form my first class." Ah. Nah. Of course, which includes Jean Grey, Cyclops, Beast, Iceman, and Angel. That's your team. That's the uncanny X. That's good. That's good. That's good. So Magneto is also planning to publicly execute Senator Kelly as well to start this war with humanity. Is kind of like a kind of like you know those ISIS videos where they behead people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit like that. This Magneto is far more ruthless than what we got with McKellen. I think. Right. Okay. He's very much harkening back to Fastbender in first class. Right. Okay. Um. So, but come to the event, Mastermind betrays Magneto. So we're setting up Mastermind as this big recurring villain. Right. Because he's interesting enough to have form other teams and, and influence other people, but he's not physically imposing as much right. as the others okay. are. Uh, he reveals himself to be one of the last remnants of Hydra. In the struggle, Astra is killed. Mastermind turns the Brotherhood against Magneto and essentially attempts to use the Brotherhood as pawns to kill pivotal members of the US Senate who agree with the Sokovia Amendments so that the ones that are in the Senate, who are Hydra, have a better chance of pushing through things so they can essentially get a Hydra state. This is when the X-Men roll in, they save Senator Kelly. I mean, you could also kill him off, but I feel like killing off Robert Patrick is pretty much sacrilegious at this point. Um, This allows Magneto to be captured by S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, and defeat Mastermind, who does escape using trickery. I think, really, also, you've got room to kill off people who maybe aren't as important. So, as much as I like Toad, I think you would kill Toad yeah, off in yeah, this yeah, fight. Yeah. Uh, Mystique uh, would disguise herself as a Shield agent uh, and escape with Pyro, because I feel like Tom Felton is somebody that we need in the next movie. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the movie, you've got uh, Tony Stark coming in to finalise the Avengers Academy deal, but Charles is like, we saved the world. What have you been doing recently? How's your team? I have a team that's ready, yeah. that is willing to fight. And if anything, I think they should be named after who put, brought them together, yeah. not the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And that's where the name the X-Men is is put in. The end of that movie, uh, there's a cell in... It doesn't matter which prison you do. You could do like an Elsewhere's one, but I think it has to be vaguely reminiscent of the plastic prison from the first yeah. X-Men movie. Oh, yeah. And you redo that scene... In there, where Magneto is met by Charles. And you have Maria Hill there, who, again, has been in this movie. Yeah. And Charles coins the team name of the X-Men to his thing and said he will always be there to remind his old friend that there's an alternative and there's hope for mutants and peace between the two races. Yep. Post-credit scene for this movie is, of course, Xavier recruiting a new class of X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that the mutants are seen a bit more in heroic light, yep. still pretty muddled, still kind of hated in the nation. Yeah. But what in the absence of an actual team of Avengers... Mm-hmm. They're a good alternative. This is some possible cameos for Nightcrawler or Kitty Pride, possibly Storm. And yeah, I'll come to who I want to play those characters in just a moment. Yeah. Xavier senses a great power at the door, though. Right. Someone's in great pain. The door is pushed open, uh, and you reveal three characters who are very vital to the next piece of the puzzle okay. Wolverine, Gambit, Rogue. Nice. There are my three. They are at the door. Wolverine is beat to fuck. I mean, he's on his. Deathbed? Deathbed, I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. He's beat to fuck. Rogue can barely handle him. She asks for help. He doesn't know where to turn. Wolverine's first movies is where... Like, his first words are, where are we? Right. Um, Now, those three... Gambit, I've gone for Ian Summerholder. I've decided against Channing Tatum. Who the fucking hell is Ian Summerholder? He's in Vampire Diaries. Oh, He plays a Cajun character in that. Oh, okay. So, I've gone for that. Rogue, I've gone for Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay, the good. Once, once some future hit girl, I think, could really What's pull this their in. age difference? Um, I believe it's something like... It, it, it's On screen, would be fine. Okay, right. 
Because even Summerholder is not that old, whereas Chloe oh. Grace Moretz is like our age. So that's, yeah, yeah. That's fine. All right. and, and Wolverine, and I went back and forth on this okay. so many times, but I, I decided to go against the grain on this one. And All right. Everybody wants Tom Hardy. Yeah. I don't want Tom Hardy. Well, he's Venom, so no. Yeah, he's Venom, can't so we, we can't do that. I settled on Joe Manganiello. Oh. Deathstroke. Ah, see, it's hard. It's it difficult, but you see him in some of these movies, and I know he's quite a tall bloke. But are you saying that we can't have enough camera trickery to make him look shorter? No, that's that's a good choice. But you look at him, spiky black hair, with the claws, built as fuck, and I think he could pull off a tactical yellow suit. I think he could do okay, it. I think, yeah. Okay, I so like that. That's, that's a good choice. That's how we get to it. So my my pitches from here are very much just sort of on the surface. Cliff notes version. That's Cliff fine. notes version. So your next movie isn't a sequel, Darren. Oh, it's a prequel. Nice. This movie's called Exiles. It's set in the Deep South. It's a story that follows Gambit's departure from the Thieves Guild and his breakup with his girlfriend Belladonna, Wolverine's escape from the Weapon X program, Harry meets Rogue, and along the way, these three exiles mm. fall, so, uh, fall foul of a couple of different villains. You have Sabretooth and you have Omega Red. Okay. And you also introduce uh, Banshee in this, who I'm introducing as, a, as an Interpol agent. Because I think it would be an interesting thing to have somebody okay. who's from a more bureaucratic side of things. Uh, in this movie, like I said, you've got Joe Manganiello, Chloe Grace Moretz, and he and Summerholder kicking off the cast. Omega Red. Do you know about Omega Red? I know about Omega Red. I've got Dolph Lundgren playing Omega oh, Red. Mm-hmm. Because how fucking glorious would it be to watch Dolph Lundgren go toe-to-toe with Wolverine? Oh, fuck yes. Ah, all the yes. Sabretooth, I've cast Ryan Hurst from Sons of Anarchy. He plays Opie in that series. You, right. Yeah, I have watched. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll he's remember. big, tall. I can pull off a beard. That's all I need for. Yeah, and yeah. I'll, uh, right. Okay, I remember you. Yeah, and I believe he has some emotional depth. Banshee. I've gone for somebody slightly younger. I feel like we could do like a Kingsman-style Taron Egerton mm-hmm. thing going on here. I've cast Robert Sheehan, who is in Misfits. I don't know if you've seen Misfits. I haven't seen Misfits no. Okay, he's great. I'll introduce him to you cool. later. And Belladonna. You have to get somebody who could be. He was incredibly attractive and also connivingly evil. Eventually, I settled on Alexander Daddario. So you know. Alexandra Daddario, she's from uh, Baywatch. Oh, with the eyes. Yes. Right, okay. <laughs> Cute ass eyes. Yep. So that's, okay. that's what Exiles is. It's a deep south that's, road movie with a... three people, with three different backgrounds, all meeting to fight together for their right to live. I'm feeling that. So from there, from there, I, I feel like you go to another, you go to a tentpole X-Men movie. Yeah. So you go to its sequel, which I've titled X-Men Evolutionary War. Okay. Now here's the thing about the X-Men things. I believe it's a great way to introduce characters that are associated with the X-Men as, as, okay. as well. So this will be interesting. So this is a sequel to Uncanny X-Men. It's a monster movie in two halves featuring revised versions of the blue and gold X-Men teams. This is when okay. the team splintered off yeah, yeah. in two different ways. Uh, the X-Men are now a globally known team after defeating the Brotherhood. You introduce uh, Maura McTaggart, uh, who I have got played by Catherine Waterstone, who was in uh, Fantastic Beasts, All right. um, as essentially an old flame of Xavier's. Um, who comes helplessly looking for a place to bring her near-deadly mutant son, Kevin. Right. Um, Kevin is, uh, of course, if you know anything about that character, uh, a mutant by the name of Proteus, Right. who I'm having played by Joe Keery. All right. Um, and essentially what this movie revolves around is that they go to Muir Island where he's being kept in this sort of like state-of-the-art cell because he's one of the most explosively powerful mutants known to man Mm -hmm. and that's the Xavier plot essentially so they visit Muir Island Kevin escapes from confinement and rejects becoming 
one of Xavier's students because he doesn't see anybody who's in league with his abusive mother as anybody who's good. He sets about destroying her and therefore all the people who are associated with her. Yep. Um, and on that team, uh, you've got Xavier, Beast, Jean Grey, uh, Storm, who I have got played by Yaya da Costa, who was in The Nice Guys. Uh-huh. She really she held her, her own against Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Russell Crow. So right. I believe she's earned that part. Okay. This movie also introduces Nightcrawler, played by Logan Lerman, because I genuinely believe he deserves to be a superhero. Okay. I think he's gotten better and better. I mean, his performance in Fury was enough to show somebody yeah. who's a bit more damaged. He was almost Spider-Man. I he, think he was second choice to uh, to Tom Holland. Yeah. So, yeah. so I feel like giving him a, a yeah. relatively younger version of Nightcrawler. Nice. Maybe a bit older than the one that we have already with Toby Smith McPhee. Yeah. Um, but I think you've got more of a, an option to That's do true. a bit more of a tragic thing that we had in the Alan Cumming version there. Um, and also this movie will introduce Kitty Pride, played by an actor, actress rather, I guarantee you've never heard of. Okay. Uh, this actress is called Emily Rudd. Mm. She is making her acting debut this year. <laughs> so I'm, I'm investing in young talent. Um, she's an Instagram star. Right. Yeah. The, the thing is, Darren, the, the way that things are being cast is changing. I think if yeah. we're going to have somebody as young as Kitty Pride and somebody you can bank on for future movies, you have to invest young. Okay. And I think for an Instagram star to get the lead role in a televised sitcom in a first year of acting shows that maybe she's got some potential. So well, at least a following that TV shows are yeah. willing to exploit. There we go. So Emily Rudd is my Kitty oh, Pride. Right. Uh, I'll be honest. It pretty that, much that's was. A, that's a fucking bolt from the blue. It's interesting, right? Yeah. It's it's taking risks, and that's what we need to do. Uh, on the other side of things, though, um, essentially the world is expanding, and people with powers are becoming known, and newer locations are coming to light. Uh, one of these locations is called the Savage Lands. Um, yeah. A powerful mutant and genesis known as the High Evolutionary is plotting to force a new kind of evolution onto the world. High Evolutionary, in my version, is played by Lance Reddick. Um, so essentially, one of his monsters is let loose in the Western world, and Wolverine, Cyclops, Beast, Angel, Rogue, and Gambit are set out to the Savage Lands to stop the High Evolutionary with the help of Kazar. Oh, nice. Okay. So we get Kazar in, and I want to close the Skarsgård circle. Alexander Skarsgård is my Kazar. <laughs> Because you want to take Tarzan yes. and make him Kazar. That's exactly what take I want Tarzan to do. Take Tarzan and make him Marvel's Tarzan. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Come on, that works, right? Yeah, you've got all the Guards employed by Marvel. That's good. So essentially, these two plots essentially convene after Proteus has to jump from body to body in order to keep his um, energy... Because essentially, his energy levels burn too brightly and can't be contained right. by... A regular human being. This can okay. lead to the deaths of some characters if you really want to kill some X-Men off to save some money for the next one. Yeah. Um, essentially, these two things cross. Uh, the teams join up when Kevin possesses the High Evolutionary and becomes the final version of Proteus that we know and love, which is the big sort of electric silver screaming god, essentially. Lovely. I think it'd be a great character to have. Okay. Um, and the next evolution of mutants, the final battle opens up in the Savage Land. There's potential to do a Kazar solo movie if you want to do that, which would be interesting. Um, and there's two post-credits scenes for this movie. The first one is Magneto setting his eyes on creating a mutant nation. He settles on one island on an old map known as Genosha. Mm-hmm. Um and the second one is Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride. I want them to be horribly, horribly damaged in this movie. I want them to, like, near enough die. They get shipped off to Muir Island for recovery with Maura McTaggart, whose new facility is yeah. no longer going to contain um, Proteus, but instead try to heal mutants and rehabilitate them. Uh, on a video call, Xavier's talking to people who are running the Institute, two old friends, Betsy and Brian Braddock. 
Are you doing Excalibur? Yes, I'm doing Excalibur, Darren. That's the next movie. I'm setting up Excalibur. I've not cast these people. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. My casting has ended after movie three. I think that's enough <laughs> yeah, to that's, cast. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so essentially he says the two kill- the kids have potential. When the time's right, maybe you can make them into heroes. <laughs> so your next movie is Excalibur, Darren, because I want Captain Britain. Oh, I Christ. think it has to happen. <laughs> so you have to have Captain Britain's team um, having sort of like guidance from Charles Xavier with Psylocke in there. The team also consists of uh, Megan slash Gloriana, depending on what you want to call her, and Lockheed, obviously, because you have to have the dragon. Union Jack? Yeah, you're the space for Union Jack. I haven't put him in there. But what I want the Excalibur movie to be about is because Proteus is known for sort of like tearing reality, I think that maybe Excalibur are the cleanup job on that. Okay. So it's... Um, they are fighting against these interdimensional beings called the Warwolves, which are from the original run of Excalibur, as well as the vil- the reality-warping villain who's sort of like come through one of these tears in reality, known as Mojo, which means you get to do a lot of sort of like psychedelic oh. head-trip shit. Right. Whilst at the same time, de- essentially doing the superhero version of Kingsman. Okay. I think it's a really good thing to do there. All right. Uh, so you get... And also, the, your main to this movie, I mean, Captain Britain is your temple character, but yeah. it's essentially the Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride movie. Which I think would be pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. After that, I swear to Christ, there's not much left. Come on, Michael. <laughs> Your third big X-Men movie is called X-Men Rise of Genosha. I think you can see what's going on there. Yeah. Um, this is where you reintroduce Mastermind. You do the Hellfire Club where you can have like Harry Leyland and Madeline Pryor and Celine. And I've also pitched putting Damon Hellstrom in there. Because I like the idea of bringing in another Doctor Strange thread. Right, okay. So you can do that. Essentially, it's Magneto sets up Genosha after the events of Evolutionary War. Um, Xavier goes to visit, realises that a secular mutant state can be a good thing. This is when the Hellfire Club attacks. This leads to the formation of the villain known as Onslaught. Oh, yeah. Doctor Onslaught. Oh, come on now. Tell You tell me that you wouldn't like to see Onslaught. I don't want to see Onslaught. I want to see Onslaught. (laughs) It's a terrible idea. Which is why your next movie... Oh, no. <laughs> told you, you've got to plan ahead. Your next movie is X-Factor. Okay. So you've got to... After all this, and this is where you introduce a character that they probably are going to introduce now, but, you know, after so many years, you would have forgotten about this version of the character. You do the whole legacy virus storyline with Mr. Sinister. Your X-Factor team consists of Havoc, Polaris, Quicksilver, Multiple Man, Dazzler, and Sabretooth. Okay. And that's your Mr. Sinister movie. And then your final movie is the one that ties it all in together, brings it into the cosmic thing. This one's called X-Men Kingbreakers. And the enemy is the forgotten Summer's brother known as Vulcan. And then you tie it up to do the next big Avengers movie, which is War of Kings, leading into Annihilation to make it cosmic. Christ alive. <laughs> you well, you went all out there, Michael. <laughs> you told me this was a compact pitch compared to Spider-Man. I might have lied. I might have lied. You might have lied, yeah. I have a five-movie road plan, Darren. I'm sorry, I can't Jesus. help it. Right, points of being thorough. Yep. You've got a really good idea there. I'm annoyed I didn't pinch some of those ideas for myself. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I've, I've not got a lot of holes to punch in that. Did, I, I was looking at this and I'm thinking, what's the one thing that Marvel did when they had that big event? They basically spat out ten titles at us and said, see you, see you in a few decades. Yeah. You do the same with the X-Men. The X-Men are a bankable thing. Mm. Essentially, they become your secondary Avengers. Right. And I think the space to have team spin-offs of them, like you said, one of the largest, most diverse casts of of any of comic book property. Why not capitalise on that? You've done well there to kind of make make them kind of the big 
next wave during phase four of MCU when we've kind of burnt through the Iron Man stories, we've burnt through the Thor, the Hulk, the Captain Americas. You make the X-Men fill that gap, make them the kind of the glue that holds everything together that gets you from Avengers movie to Avengers movie. Um, I can't believe you avoided doing Avengers versus the X-Men, which I thought we were driving towards. Yeah, I thought we were going to do that, but essentially I decided on the idea that that the X-Men already has a pretty good rogues gallery. Yeah. You don't need no, the Avengers to be right. their villains. Unfortunately, it just means that you have to do Onslaught before you do Fucking Mr. Onslaught. Sinister. Because I wasn't I was hell bent on not reusing anybody. Okay, no, you've done you've done very, very well there. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. But I, I believe yours will be more concise. <laughs> I mean it's it's right, mine's a, a tad messy, but this thing. You operated with a hundred percent freedom there to go, right, MCU they've got the rights back in full, Fox have gone. And and you've got unlimited amount of budget, constraints, everything gone. That was essentially the movie Bob approach, yeah. Yeah, and what I did was different. Okay. I put the constraint on myself and said, right, I'm going to pitch this as an actual way we could realistically do this. Because I think Fox have spied that Sony deal and wouldn't want anything less than that. So I have set this up on the basis that they have got a Sony type deal. They are giving them the rights to some of their characters to do a sharing thing and have MCU movies, but they're also retaining some of their rights to still make X-Men spin-offs under the Fox banner, not necessarily the Disney banner. I mean, you could do that with my idea, but I'll hear you out. You could, but... I'll but, hear you out. Like this thing. So, again, full disclosure, um, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing a Fox... Uh, I'm doing a Sony-style sharing a deal. A share deal, yeah. Because, now, mine is predicated on two things. Yeah. One, I think you've got a lot of build up and and kind of time put into those characters that Fox have had to not to not use them seems a little misguided and especially since that's more likely to happen than having a fresh reboot I think so and there's there's, there's stuff you can do with using that build up of characters in a new thing also I now you've had a very good idea of how to pitch mutant hatred which is what is core to the X-Men franchise as them as an allegory for um, prejudice in 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 society, I racked my brain for ages, saying I can't think of a way of doing that, but also making mutants historic. Mm. I was like, you can't have like a like an Inhumans Terrigen Mist type of thing that kickstarts the X gene in everybody, because then you can't have X Men like Professor X, like Magneto, like Wolverine that rely on them being there for hundreds of years or, or you know a long long time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of it. You thought of a good idea. Hats off to you there, Michael. But I was like, I need to manufacture that so that they can be hated in society. This is how I've done it. Okay. Full disclosure, this pitch does not include Deadpool. Fair play. I, I, I also didn't include Deadpool. Yeah, I'm leaving him as to be like their Venom movie. They can, they, But I've, I've engineered a way that if you want to bring Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool into this or whoever the fuck else you want to bring into this and the new mutants, da la 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 you can bring them in. I feel like Brian Reynolds' Deadpool could be placed into anything because you do it as... You could just do it, like, yeah. oh, we belong to this company now. Like, yeah, you that could, could do it that way. But I mean, I've, I've invented a way that they can get any of the X-Men properties they're currently working on, which number as thus, New Mutants, Deadpool, with Cable coming into that, an X-Force movie, the TV show which is about to start, and all these other sundry things they've got going on. All of this can eventually be brought into the MCU via a bit of engineering. Okay. As I've told you many times, my idea is a few golden nuggets powered by a metric fuck ton of bullshit. <laughs> okay? But this is the thing. I put the constraints on me and this is how I engineered it. Okay, let's go. Here we go. 
Right, we start with Avengers Infinity War Part 1. Okay. Right, I haven't really gone into depth with any of these parts other than how I'm going to do it, but here we are. Thanos successfully gets the Infinity Gems together, right? Now, he explains in a bit of um, plot contrivance that he's still got a lot to learn about his new powers, but he can still fuck the Guardians and the Avengers up, right? You kill off Vision, you kill off a, a potluck of who you want. The only two I kind of mention again are Tony and Bruce. So, kill Cap. By all means, kill Cap. Um, right, so they are in the shit. They are fucked. X-Men Dark Phoenix. As in the actual the movie actual that's coming X-Men out? The actual Dark Phoenix. Yes. Okay. Right. For so you're God. playing with movies that are in production? Yes. Shit. Again, I'm trying to do this as realistic as possible. Okay, I'm interested. To have that realm that we already have set out, but get it there. Right. As Jean Grey's powers start to escalate, um, she attracts the attention of the Shi'ar Empire, right? Um, they've ran into the Phoenix Force before because, again, they're a big cosmic empire. They've run into had contact with the Phoenix Force before, and they are arriving on Earth to destroy it. Or that's how it seems. Um, they capture Jean Grey. I've not got into great depth, but they capture her. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, and they also... Lilandra captures Charles Xavier because she's never felt a mind like his before on all of her travels across the galaxy. So you kind of hint at their love interest, but we haven't got time to, yeah. to kind of do that. Um, so she's fallen for his intellect. Blah, blah, blah. And she says that her intention is not actually to destroy the Phoenix Force, to destroy Jean. She's going to use Jean as part of a deal. A being from across time and space, has got in contact with the Shi'ar Empire. And whoever this figure is is stating that the re-emergence of the Phoenix Force in their galaxy will spell the end of their universe. It's unavoidable at this point. However, it's clear that this person has a lot of power. They're greeting across galaxies, time, dimension, the work, right? And said, if they hand over Gene to this being, they will, again, stop the destruction of their universe... And she off- he offers, the being offers Lalandra, and by proxy Charles Xavier, the chance to come to this universe where he is and live as gods. This pleases Lalandra. She wants part of this. So she's captured Jean Grey and she's put her in a, a kind of room, it's a bit deus ex machina, but bear with me, that's siphoning off this phoenix power. Because obviously they've got to get across time and space to get yeah. to this being. Right. The X-Men arrived to save the day. We're talking Cyclops, Storm, Beast, Mystique, Nightcrawler, Jubilee, Quicksilver, right? Um, Magneto and Psylocke also turn up because with whatever you know limited powers he's got, Charles has got in contact with Magneto and said, we're about to have an extinction-level event. You need to get here. And obviously, he's still in cahoots with Psylocke. They all get there. They're helping to save the day. This is like a, a Shi'ar Empire ship that's in low-Earth orbit. Okay. Um... Gene is being held in this room. They manage to break in there. They're saving the day. Quicksilver goes and gets Charles away from Lalandra and gets her into this room. Lalandra does not like taking this chance. Yes, her plan was to offer it to the thing, but she still, her original intention still stands. She sees this. The Phoenix Force will kill everything. We need to destroy it. They seal the room. Um, she evacuates all the people off the ship and she starts a self-destruction sequence, right? It's not looking good for the X-Men. Jean is kind of, she's in and out of consciousness, she's not all there, but she kind of perks up at this point and says, right, we are, this is going to end badly no matter what, I can't stop this, but I can do something, I can accelerate this process. We kind of show that she's tapping into this dark phoenix power, or just the phoenix, and she she doesn't understand her powers yet, but she knows she can do some powerful shit. She opens a wormhole that was what this machine was doing she opens it it's only small it's like basically a small black hole 
and sucks this airship out of their atmosphere. And they arrive, and it, like, she uses her powers to protect her team, but the spaceship still crashes on whatever the fuck Earth they've just landed on, right? She protects everybody and passes out. This spaceship takes out a large part of this Earth's New York. Big old fucking <laughs> section is gone, right? There starts to be a military response. It's kind of odd that the military is responding this fast to an event, but clearly some shit has just gone down that's got the military on high fucking alert, right? Mm. People who are nearby are coming towards this, and all they're seeing is what to them appears to be an alien ship that has crash-landed and fucking aliens, right? So you see, like, people turning up, they're fucking hostile. You see a military presence, it's coming, helicopters and shit. All of a sudden, over these helicopters comes a big old fucking um, jet plane, right? Lands right next to the crashed alien ship. It's all fucking mass panic. Somebody grabs Charles's arm, and Phil Coulson says, Come with me. Right. Fucking excellent. Nice. Here we go. Avengers Infinity War Part 2. Um, I don't know what the title is, whatever the fuck it's going to be. Right. The X-Men are being held in quarantine by S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and Tony Stark, who I'm going to steal a bit of your idea, Mike, if you don't mind, he can now be head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Doesn't really matter. They are interrogating what the fuck these people have just turned up after they just dealt with Thanos and he fucked off. They don't know where he's gone. He's disappeared. But then it's just a bit too much of a coincidence to have aliens turn up just after Thanos has left. Yeah. We are going to have an awesome scene, which is going to be Eric and Charles versus Bruce and Tony. <laughs> just talking, right? They're not fighting each other, but nice. yeah. Nice. Um, as far as S.H.I.E.L.D. are concerned, they might be henchmen of Thanos, no matter what their protestations are. Um, Jeannie's still in this trance. She's locked off. They can't use her. But yeah, we're just going to have some great banter. Tony and Bruce versus Eric and Charles, which is what I'm saying. I kind of don't want to waste these characters because that's the fun of so doing it's, this movie. So it's still McAvoy and Fassbender. Yes. Yeah. Because it's like the fun of the first Avengers movie where it was Tony versus, it's, it's Tony yeah. Stark versus Thor, but this is Magneto and Charles versus Bruce and versus Hulk and Iron Man. That's fucking good. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, right. So they're being held, they're kind of like, well, we're not holding you prisoner, but we are holding you prisoner. It's basically they're in jail. Um, they've got the power dampeners, which is something we've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the pod thing they yeah, used to pick so, people, has power know. dampeners. So Charles can't use his powers, they can't really escape. Charles is in his cell, just on his bed, staring up at the ceiling, there's a vent. All of a sudden, a strange, like, glowing eyes appear in this vent. And, 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 a, and a girl, it's clearly like a young girl, talks to him and says, you are not, we are not alone, you are not alone. We are here, but we are hidden. You can find us. Only you can find us. And then obviously a guard comes in, eyes disappear. Charles like, what the fuck was that? Um, do, 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 do. Um, now, this is the point. Now, obviously, this is an Avengers movie, so we will be spending a lot of time with the Avengers doing stuff. But Corvius Glaive attacks the S.H.I.E.L.D. Institute. Mm, right? He picked up on Corvius Glaive. Yes. It, he's, he says, where is the girl in the trance? Right? Clearly, at this point, if, if you haven't figured it out, Thanos was the being yeah. contacting... And he sent Corvius Glaive to go and pick this fucker up. So this is where we get our X-Men kind of redeeming themselves in the eyes of S.H.I.E.L.D., fighting back Corvus Glaive. And I'm guessing henchmen, I'm just going to say it's the Chitauri again. Yeah. Fighting against them. Cool. It's fucking X-Men badass scene. It's all of the X-Men. They're all fucking here. We're having a great time. <laughs> uh, they repel the attack and S.H.I.E.L.D. are like, maybe they're onto something. Um, 
Now, during the latter part of this movie, again, the Avengers have been taken up by clashing with the other members of the Black Order. Thanos is still nowhere to be seen. At least, Eric characters haven't seen him. We've seen him. He's clearly doing something very bad to... Um, do something very bad. I just realised I need to reveal that in a second. Gene <laughs> um, snaps out of a trance and says, I know where he is. Right? This leads us into space. <laughs> where Thanos... Good, good sentence for anything, yeah, really. I've, I've not really patched all of the things together yet, but... Makes sense. We go into space. Right, Thanos is in a spaceship. He's, well, he's starting to understand the pair he has. And, of course, he's trying to appease Mr. Steph. We've planted those seeds. He's basically cooking up something that will be an extinction-level event for not just Earth, but for the fucking universe, right? It's he, This is explained through some clumsy dialogue, I'm sure. And we get a big, old, fucking battle. Avengers, Guardians, X-Men versus the Black Order and Thanos, right? Fucking, it's going to be great. It's going to be fucking chaos, panic, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> it's going to be fucking good. Good guys win. Okay, I haven't really plotted out much more than that, but we get to the thing, they defeat Thanos, fucking uh, these Avengers, these X-Men are cool. Post-credit scene. Alright. Charles, Cyclops and Beast are just around New York. Charles has got a lock on whoever this girl was, and they're following, but it becomes apparent that this, whoever this is, is underground. They're not just living around New York, they are underground. We have to go into the tunnels underneath New York, like a sewer system. They're not best pleased about this, but Charles is adamant. We need to go and find this girl. They go through these tunnels where they've come upon like a little bit of like a community. Shacks. Like these, they're living in squalor, but there's clearly people living here. The glowy eyes girl, Marrow, mm. played by, oh God, I wanted diversity. <laughs> but now you, you went for the, the Chinese actress, which yeah. is a good fucking call. But I was like, I don't want to cast an actress I don't know. And the only, I, I was kind of pitching it as like Asian American or, or something like that. But the only one I know is Lily from Modern Family, who's the gay couple's daughter. And she's a fucking atrocious actress. So I couldn't do it. So I had to change tack a little bit. She's played by Bella Ramsey. You won't know this name, but anyone who watches Game of Thrones will. She's Leanna Mormont, the little bear. She's fucking awesome. She Just good. trust me on that. So she's playing Marrow, but she's like got glowing yellow eyes, the bones sticking out of her and shit. She's part of the Morlock community. Ah, right? Okay. And she runs down to a dark tunnel and tells somebody, they're here. The ones from the spaceship are here. We see a cigar light up and um, Logan walks out of this tunnel, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. Interesting. Because I thought, I was like, I was racking my brain for ages about who it could be. He's a good shout. And it was a good shout. I, originally, I went with Stranger Things guy. Um, I've just said his name. David Harbour. But I thought, no, he's going to be hell of it. No. Yeah, yeah. Jane Gyllenhaal's never been in a movie. He's a fucking actor. Never been in a movie. Never, <laughs> movie. never been in a Marvel or a DC movie. That's true. He's got fucking bank, yeah. right? He, he's he's a, now. He's bank now. Yeah, he's a good enough actor that you'd be like, okay, it's not Hugh Jackman, but I'm ready. And if you've seen Southpaw... Yeah. Fucking yeah. me. He's not the tallest of actors. I mean, he's decently sized. He's probably short. I think he's... I checked. He's short than Hugh Jackman. And yeah, he's wide. So, <laughs> fucking great. He's my Wolverine. And he steps out, looks at Charles and says, about time, bub. Okay. okay. X-Men movie. Um, It's going to be called X-Men, subtitle redacted for now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get right into that. Okay. Um, Right. So it turns out... Do you give away too much? uh, Kind of. Okay. It turns out the mutants were whittled down by early Inhumans. Mm. Right? So they have existed in the MCU, but we haven't seen them because the Inhumans decimated their population when they first started turning up. 
right? The Inhumans didn't want humans getting, you know, powers and mutagens that weren't controlled by them because obviously they're a very, um, uh, very dictatorial society. So when mutants first started turning up, they were just simply wiped out. Now, Wolverine survives, obviously he's got the healing factor. It kicks in about, like, um, puberty type, the, the X-Gene. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he managed to survive his thing, and he found the Morlocks. Now, they leave the Morlocks alone, because, for the most part, they've all got shit powers. They're just, like, weak, like the Morlocks are in the comic books. Yeah. This reflects what happens in human society, where, I don't know if you've read anything into the series. The regality. But, yeah, they basically, yeah. anyone who's got shitty inhuman powers, they put in a fucking mine and yep. forget about them, right? So it reflects that. Um, so, yeah, the Inhumans have decimated them. Now, um, now Wolverine escaped the attack, and he found the Morlocks, um, and this is all explained in an opening scene, where you've got, like, um, Nicholas Holt's Beast and, 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 um, McAvoy's, um, Professor X staring at Wolverine, like, <laughs> and, and, and Wolverine's like, what are you staring at? <laughs> it's like, nothing, nothing. And then we get a line from Beast when, like, walking away saying, we have infinite possibilities in infinite universes, and we're still stuck with him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, um, we meet Forge, who we haven't had. We haven't you know, had Forge. So, we haven't now, had Forge. I originally cast Gus from um, Breaking Bad as Giancarlo Esposito, because finding a Native American actor <laughs> who I've heard of is fucking hard, right? So I am sorry I've had to go against He's traditionally a Native American. But then you came up with a better idea. Yep. Because I was complaining about not being able to find Native Americans. I didn't tell you who the character was, but you said... Why don't you just put Pedro Pascal in there? I was like, fuck yeah, I'll put Pasco, Pedro Pascal in anything. So, um, <laughs> so the Red, Vi- Red Viper's your forge. Yes, Red Viper is my forge, bringing a Game of Thrones character total up to two. Um, so he has built, he's been building weapons to kind of detect new mutants, right? Um, and then when one pops up, Wolverine races to, to go and catch them. However, they've saved a few in years. They've saved Gambit, Yay. played by Channing Tatum. Fair I enough. had to get that shit started. You had to keep the Great White Hope. I did, I did. And Siren, who's Banshee's daughter, but yeah. here just has Banshee powers, plays by Rose Leslie, who played Egret mm. in Game of Thrones. Okay. Bring your total up to three. Okay, that's... Okay, no, carry on. She's Ginger. She can play. I know, but she I was can... thinking about the age thing, but okay. It's no, cool. no, no, she, she can do... Um, don't worry about that. We'll cover that. So yeah, they, they've saved them, but these are like more adulty type ones. There hasn't been a new Morlock born in uh, like fifteen years at this point. They just haven't stopped turning up. It seems like the mutants are going extinct. We're the last of them. Yes, there's been some like Morlock babies, which explains why Marrow's like twelve years old. But again, they don't care about the mutants. Prime nowhere to be seen. Um, but then a ray of hope appears. Literally, um, a twelve-year-old girl called Hope. Um, played by Millie Bobby Brown, nice. Eleven from Stranger Things, nice. with hair, um, spikes forgery detection meter off the fucking scale. They're like, oh my Christ, what is this? A small team is sent out to investigate. This includes Wolverine, Gambit, Beast, Cyclops, and Jubilee and Storm. The ninety-two X-Men lineup because nice. I had to. I had to. They set off to rescue her, where they're greeted when they get to this house by Inhuman rebels led by Maximus the Mad, played by Ramsey Bolton. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, Ewan Rewan? You him, yeah. So we need a Game of Thrones cast yeah. total to four. Oh. Actually, five, because, you know, we've still got Sophie Turner in here as Jean Grey. That's fine. So we're kind of playing a lot of Game of thrones things here. And Stranger Things, I'm just covering all of good TV. <laughs> um, right, so, yeah, they're there. Big old battle. Um, <laughs> I say that a lot in this pitch. What, big old battle? Big old battle. Um, 
so they're having a fight, you know, um, it's basically said that I'm relying on humans doing certain things, aka keeping Maximus alive and exiling him, right? So he may have been exiled from the moon, but he's, inhumans still have to hunt their mutants. He sees them as, as a danger. Um, so he's still doing that stuff on Earth because he can still operate on Earth, yeah. and he's got a few of his rebels with him. Um, in the ensuing battle, at some point Maximus gets hold of Hope, right? But Hope just screams, and all of a sudden everyone is teleported away, Right? Big old like sonic boom thing goes off, and everyone is scattered across I think the globe. I know where this is going. Mm, I don't know if you do. Um, Hope en- ends up with everyone is scattered to random places across the world, and she ends up with Wolverine and Cyclops, right? Um, and we get some like bonding, some you know they start talking to Hope and explaining their situation and what it means. Before we have the Quicksilver scene to end all Quicksilver scenes as Quicksilver races across the fucking globe <laughs> to pick these people up and bring them back to the world. Which I was, just, I, need, I was like, I need to top the last one. Yeah. So instead of a building, it's the entire planet Earth. <laughs> it's just him like, running across the ocean, picking them up and taking it back to New York. Which was my idea. Right, so they all get back to the sewers. Um, we then see Maximus has been teleported. He's basically alone and he's in a diner. Right, he's just like, what the fuck? Um, people are like coming towards him saying, are you okay? And he like, the first one that goes to reach him, he points at her and says, leave me alone. But his voice goes really deep, his eyes fucking glow, and she's like dumbstruck and then like backs away. And he's like, everyone get out! And everyone, again, dumbstruck and leaves. Seems that grabbing hold of Hope when she let off this big scream and, and stuff has kind of activated his latent inhuman powers. Because in the TV show, he has no powers. Slightly inhuman spoilers here, but he has he's just normal. Yeah, the Terrigen Mist did nothing to him. But Hope has like triggered something to give him his comic book powers of being able to control minds. So he's like, Holy fuck, we thought Hope was just a mutant. She's like something else entirely. This is like a big fucking deal. We need her. Um he gets in contact with his teleportation guy, which could be a nice cameo for the blind guy from Aidens of Shield who could do the teleporting. That could be for- and yeah, he yeah. says, I may have found a way to overthrow my brother. Right, so, back in the sewers, the X-Men are also in conflict. Cyclops and the younger X-Men say that Hope, you know, they've saved Hope and that's great, but they shouldn't, she didn't have to join their fight. She should be able to, you know, live a life how she sees fit. Once the humans are dealt with and we've kind of put that threat to bed, she should be able to do whatever she wants in life. Because, unlike where Cyclops come from, mutants have that option. They're not well known enough. People cheer heroes in this place with, with magical powers they don't need to be fearful of just wanting to live a normal life that option is available to them and he wants that for mutants a choice he never had in in his universe wolverine and gambit on the other hand being battle tested and hardened by just knowing the cruel realities of what the inhumans can do thinks hope can turn the tide for mutant kind they cannot just stop this grand grand bank of inhumans but they could show such a powerful force the inhumans will never pick on them again and they can move out of the sewers, essentially. Divisions form between Sicily, Cyclops, Wolverine. We'll come back to that nugget later. Mm. Hope doesn't like this argument. It's getting really heated. She teleports away, but teleports into the path of the Inhumans. Right? Maximus is in the sewers, and he's coming together. Because they always knew where the Morlocks were, but they left them alone, because, again, they don't see fit of them. Um... They kidnap Mar- uh, They kidnap Hope. Mara sees this and she's like following after Hope. She uh, tries to stop the Inhumans. We see some of her cool powers are throwing the bones at people. But it doesn't happen. The Inhumans teleport away. Um, she runs to tell people what's happened. Wolverine and Cyclops get into um, an argument over who's to blame for all this. Um, 
Charles has to calm them down, but again, there's still clearly tensions there. Um, now, using his mind control powers, <laughs> so much bullshit, <laughs> he, he kind of convinces Hope that um, it, of his way of thinking. Just Charles, yeah? No, this is um, Maximus. Maximus, okay. Uses his mind control powers on Hope and says, right, you're listening to me now. We, we need to go. You want to stop the inhuman threats? We can go and do that right fucking now. We're going to the moon. Um, so they teleport to... Um, I can never present it properly. Attilan. Attilan. Um, or Atalan, if you really want. Atalan. And then um, and Maximus discovers, because of this mind that they have, that teleportation is just the start of Hope's powers. And he's like, you use them to the full extent as like a military response starts to happen on Attilan. Um, Gene who's at this point been, you know, persona non grata, is kind of like, right, I... I because of her mass psionic powers, she's like, I know where she is. I'm actually using Jean Grey as a sat nav. Um, <laughs> and, they, and they're like, oh my God. Now, at this point, I haven't mentioned this character, but Gateway is a very, very like niche wow, no. from X-Men Legends, right? He was the guy that basically was teleporting you to the different maps. Okay. He doesn't say anything. I Hang haven't on, cast the, him the, as anything. Like 2008 video game, yeah. X-Men Legends. Jesus Christ. He's in the comic books. He's okay. Bishop's great-great-grandparent. Right. But anyway, I just need someone to get them to the moon. So they're there. Yeah, Gateway gets them to the moon. Um, X-Men versus the Inhumans. It's what we want to see. Yeah. Fuck the Inhumans. I'm throwing (laughs) one of the bus here. Big old fight. Black Bolt's nowhere to be seen. He's in Hawaii doing TV show. I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) So we have X-Men versus the Inhumans. Big old battle. Um, Jean Grey frees hope from the mind control of Maximus the Mad. And together they defeat Maximus. Um, Happy days. Um, Hope in the end decides to join um, the the Cyclops side of things. She's like, yeah, we, we need to be better than this. We can't be a military. That's not how we're going to resolve everything. We need to show people that we're good guys. That you know, if they cheer for the Avengers, they'll cheer for us if we do enough stuff. This leads to the formation of two teams. One I'm going to call the Fox X-Men team and one the Marvel X-Men team. The Fox X-Men team... So blue and gold, essentially. Essentially. Is comprised of Cyclops, Storm, Beast, Mystique, Nightcrawler, Jubilee, Quicksilver, Xavier, Hope and Magneto, who's kind of, you know, because he flits so much it doesn't really matter. Um, Now, I've done that because then if Fox, for whatever reason, decide they want to take that X-Men team back and put them back in their own universe, Hope has teleportation powers and he's massively powerful. With enough training, she can be a kind of sex machina that can get them back and forth between those universes and be the gateway to get Deadpool and the new mutants and whoever else the fuck you want to bring over. That's how you do it. She's part plot device, but she can get that going. And then you have Marvel's X-Men team, of all the ones we've introduced in this movie, Wolverine, Gambit, Forge, Marrow, Siren, and Psylocke kind of joins their team, which is more of an x 40 type team. Yeah. But that's how they can operate. And then we get to the sequel. I have no notes in this other than one sentence, which literally reads, then you do schism. <laughs> You've set up the tension between Wolverine and Cyclops. If they're going to be ballsy, you could have something very bad happen to Cyclops' team. A lot of them wiped out. I'd wipe out Charles. I'd wipe out Eric. Cyclops is like, right, well, I was wrong. Clearly, this world is just as cruel as ours, if not crueler. We need to be mean. But obviously, Wolverine is like, but... Charles was right. We, I've, I've changed. I want to strive to be better. We're, I'm, I'm going to... He had a school. Why don't we try and do that? And that's how you do schism. These two butting heads who have dickhead Cyclops versus Wolverine. End of end of story. And that's my X-Men pitch. Okay. I put a lot of constraints under myself and I realise there's a lot of fucking bullshit in that pitch and I'm not 
as proud of it as I should be. Yeah. But I think that's the best of everything. That's the best we can hope for. So people that are better writing than me can make a better version of that. But Fox gets to keep an X-Men team that they can take at the MCU and it not seem weird. You've got uh, a reason why the MCU mutants have never been seen. But you've also given a reason for people to fear and hate them. They're still seen as alien interlopers, basically, by the general public. They don't have all the context that we have. The fight against Thanos happened in space. They don't know these people are heroes. It's all happened in Shadow. They can still be hated. I could not square that particular circle with doing a hard reboot of, like, they have to be hated. This manufactures a reason for them to be hated that's different from what they usually go with, but it's there. I liked your um, reason of how they become hated. I, I did like that. I think that. I think that probably was a bit more effective than just saying that, like, people were looking for people with powers now, so it's, like, harder to... Like, it's easier to spot yeah. them. But the thing is, I felt like mine was a bit more ingrained because you can do the history side of the thing with Charles and Beast and Magneto. Yeah. Mag- Magneto in your pitch is the biggest one where I've gone, why have we not used him? Yeah, again, I, I, I was kind of focused on the new and I was like, I wanted all these characters over just because I wanted as many through lines as I could. You could probably whittle that down to a nice even five characters you want to bring over. But I was like... Basically, anyone who is already cast over in the Fox team, I don't want to have doppelgangers running around. Fair enough. So I was like, we just we just take them. And it opens up ideas where you can have Quick, that's the thing, Quicksilver and um, uh, um, Pietro Maximoff yeah. are being oh, okay. treated as two different people because they never call him Quicksilver and they don't call him Pietro Maximoff. So you, you could go into something with Scarlet Witch there. Yeah, but... I was going to say, that's the thing. I, I don't feel like yours... Like, c- 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 no, like, the cohesion's not there. ...slot into place. The, but that's... I think that's it, that your pitch relies on the fact that there is no cohesion you treat them as aliens. Yeah. Which is which is an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. And I really like the idea of the ship crash landing in New York and wiping out people like, what the fuck's happened? Yeah. And it's the X-Men. That's clever. Mm-hmm. I just think that like everything after you introduce your version of Wolverine yeah. is... Is is saying we all get to play in the same universe now? Now everybody pick a side. Like yes, I know. I, I, but I was like, but again, I was like, I want to use the Inhumans because I have faith in Ramsey Bolton's a bad guy. Whatever yeah. the fucking happened in that TV show doesn't matter. He's going to be good. I know he can be good, and it just means we can kind of address the elephant in the room of the Inhumans and kind of explain how. Because again, I was trying to like, well, he, mutants have to be there because Wolverine has to be old. Uh, also, maybe not old, but yeah. he has to have been alive for a very long time. Also, you're essentially saying that this version of the Marvel Universe, the MCU, has always had a Wolverine. Yes. That's what you're saying? Yes. Okay. That's he's cool. always been there, but again, he's underground because the Inhumans... just, it, just It's Wolverine, Gambit and Siren and Forge. That's all there is in terms of like A-level, they can actually do something against the Inhumans. They've got to protect their, their Morlocks, right? It's not ideal. But I think... Uh, no, I think it's... I like, I like that. I do like See, it. I was, I... But, 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 but I don't know. It seems... <coughs> <clears throat> I think as an inclusionary tactic, you've you've brought them over and you've given them a reason for them to exist in that universe. And yes, the introduction is spectacular. I don't know whether I'd do it in the middle of Infinity War, but the introduction is... But I know that you wanted them to fight Thanos and that would have been cool. And obviously you get to do the things with the Shi'ar Empire... And do the Shi'ar Empire exist in the MCU? Is there is there an alternative? Is that something they would face? But there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered that I feel like you can answer with a hard reboot by going, yes, all of these things are as yet undiscovered, right. as opposed to saying, 
in our universe, this was called this, but in this universe, it's like yeah, I know. It becomes, but, it becomes a Jerry Seinfeld. Well, this is this is the thing, right? Spider Man was the easiest to do as like undiscovered because he's one guy. True. To have to hide the entirety of the mutant race. Now I'm basically working on a House of M level of mutants. Yeah. It's a very restricted level. But I was like, if if you're not going to do it that way, as kind of introducing them as like an outside force into a small pool of mutants, and if you want to do it as there's a lot of mutants in the world. It, it it felt so it felt so difficult to do that and say that they've just not been mentioned in the MCU up until this point. And that's that's the other thing. You have two X Men running about in the MCU already, and you've mentioned House of M. How is that not? How did you we not reach the point of a House of M style event where our already established mutants have a say? In, I mean, I know that Fox want to put forward their cast, yeah. But is that not a cool way to introduce them and go like? Oh, maybe Scarlet Witch like goes fucking insane and accidentally melds two universes together. And when it's when all said and done, when the event ends, she realizes like, wait, I used to live in this world, and these people never used to exist, but I feel like I know them. And like, and do it is kind of like a. The reason I didn't do that is fucking hate House of M. <laughs> oh, fair play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. Bad. And. And again, uh, uh, it's put the constraints on myself. You operated with a lovely bunch of freedom and made what is probably a better pitch, but I think I made a more realistic one. Yeah. Of just, it, it's, they're going to, it's, I know it's boring to have to think about bureaucracy and ownership of rights and copyright and Durga fucking Gerber, but I've built in fail safes in case it goes sour so Fox can get their characters out of there and we can just forget about them because we have the MCU Marvel team. That's true. I mean, that would actually mean that they're going to take all the rights back, so you wouldn't be able to use Wolverine. But it's okay because he's underground. He's not a major part of anything. You could just wipe the X Men out like that if Fox have a you know change of heart, and it doesn't matter because they were un- they were previously unmentioned for the last ten years. We can go on unmentioning them because they live in a sewer under New York. Hmm. Don't go to the sewers under New York, and you're going to be okay. And you have and you have cast a good Wolverine, I think. <sighs> Because that's that's the second biggest issue with the X Men. The first one is how do you make them hated? And who the fuck's, and who the fuck's Wolverine? Like that's all it comes down to. Those are the two biggest problems. I felt Boy could do it because I mean, imagine just uh, the the kind of the the Marvel X Men team. Because I don't know if you can a Gambit spin off as much as I fucking want it. I don't think works. But you'd pull people in. Whoever have like they're worried about the quality of X Men movies. They've been so jaded by them in the past. You would go and watch an X-Men movie fronted by Channing Tatum, Jake Gyllenhaal, and um, who's my other people in that team, uh, and uh, Michael Fassbender. That's a hell of a fucking cast. That's true. So so to parallel that, this is why I did the Exiles idea. This yeah. is why I go like, okay, these people are not part of your first team. They are not your first X-Men. They are your most liked X-Men, mm-hmm. and you get to tell a much different story with them, but we don't have to rely on... They've always been here. I mean, technically, they have always been there. Yeah. In my version of events, they have always existed. But right. that's that's by saying that that the, the events of the MCU so far has brought superhero superhero beings to prominence, and now people are starting to look for them as opposed to waiting for them to appear. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't know whether that's better. I really don't. So, what did you think of my Exiles idea? Because you're the it, Gambit it, man. It's it's good. I liked it. It was it was essentially it's through, True Blood with superheroes. All the way through, I was like. Like, where's Wolverine? <laughs> yeah. It's an X-Men movie. He's got to be here somewhere. No, that was a very good idea yeah, of kind of, of separating them out. In my head, you can't spunk Wolverine in the first no. bit. And I like that you stuck to the first class of X-Men. 
Because, I mean, mine's, it, it's kind of similar to what they're doing with the first class of X-Men in the comic books right now, mm. in that they're time-displaced. That's essentially what I've done. It's just I've filled out the roster to include, like, Storm and Nightcrawler and stuff like that. And the fact that you did the 92 roster pleases me. I, I was like, like I, 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 like, I couldn't not have all the pieces. I mean, Gene's not there and, and Professor X isn't in that team, but I was like, I can't put all these pieces together and finally have all of them in play <laughs> at one time to not do 92 X-Men. <laughs> oh, Christ. What a great scene. And then we just go and beat the piss out of some humans. That's good. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, I didn't even tell you what the subtitle was. Oh, right. It's X-Men Messiah Complex. Oh, okay, fair play. Although if I tell you it's Messiah Complex, it kind of gives away the story. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, doing Messiah Complex without cables a bit difficult, but I was like, no, I hope some of these are good. You is worked it? around it. You definitely worked around yeah. it. And was I right with Hope? Like, is Hope leading into a summer storyline? Or was she just no. a new character? No, she's a new character. Oh, I thought you were doing like a... No, because you, you could do her as like the kind of one that's caught in the middle. It's all new to her. She doesn't know what side she wants to go on. You can kind of... Like in X-Men versus um, Avengers. Yeah. Which I really liked. She she plays this kind of... She's polarised. She doesn't know... But she's Hope Summers though, right? Well, that's... Be, no, but she's called Hope Summers because Cyclops adopts her. She's not any... She's not... Right, okay. She's not yeah. like... She's right. not like a cable. She's not actually the son, but because... They found her and her parents were already dead. They were like, we'll just call you Hope Summers then. So yeah, she's no relation to, to Scott other than being her adopted But I was daughter. right, that's come from Avengers vs. X-Men. Yes. Okay, that's, that's fine. Cool. So yeah, you can you, and then you can play her off. Again, if Fox are playing nice and we're keeping the X-Men into Infinity, then um, you can just use her as like, does she side with Wolverine on the kind of, wouldn't you do schism? It's like, is she going to side with Wolverine and join the new Xavier Institute? Or is she going to go with Cyclops and be a bit more... Militant. Some of your new casting is great as well. I'm, 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 I'm proud of most of it. Again, I, I wanted, I really wanted a Native American to play Forge, <laughs> and I was really annoyed I didn't get to do that. Or with Marrow, I wanted, I wanted that too. But yeah, Jake and Jake and Channing as your, as your big people, I was pretty happy with that. And again, Ramsey Bolton, it's in a, he's in a shitty TV show at the minute. There's still some juice to using the humans. Plus, you effectively get to wipe them out in Black Box at the end of the day. Well, you're good people, actually. We're not going to wipe you anymore. Come out then, Sewers. We'll stay here on the moon and never be mentioned again. <laughs> yeah. I did think that your pitch was going to end with the, the obliteration of the Inhumans, not that anybody would be against it anymore. Because I was like, it, 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 you can't do that because they haven't been pitched as heroes. But I was like, you can use Ramsey. He's their villain. He yeah. can represent Inhumans in this one. Um, and that's why I made it ancient, so it doesn't seem like Black Bolt's the one repressing them because they just haven't been born for a few years. You can put that bad juju on Maximus or whoever else the fuck you want to put it on. It's good. You now get to decide which one of us had the better pitch. Please do drop us comments over which one you thought did the better job. My version, where I'm going with the Sony-style deal and doing X-Men Messiah Complex, or Michael's idea, where he's doing a thousand different subtitles, all of which I forgot. <laughs> no, the hard reboot, essentially. The hard re- yeah, hard reboot versus the crossover is your choice here. Um, and you can get in touch via the following channels. So you can go on uh, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, Minds, and Instagram, all under the username Foulient. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. You can also leave comments right underneath the episode on foulentertainment.com. Let us know which you think is the better pitch. You can also hit me personally up on Twitter to tell me that my pitch was indeed better. And add that Mike Owen or Instagram if you like pictures of me in Star Lord garb. Or you can contact me on Twitter and tell me how great I am and the pitch um, at as at the Guttridge on Twitter, at DazzleG on Instagram. Um, we do have our next Pitch Intense kind of loosely lined up. We're planning to do a DC-themed one um, in the room to Justice League where we're going to pitch two brand new movies to put into the DCEU to hopefully join Salvage, whatever the fuck is going on over there. Um, we're kind of already counting that uh, Justice League's going to suck ass. But Pro- probably is, we, let's be honest. There we go. 
Um, and yeah, if you're not into that type of thing, you can still go listen to our movie reviews. We've got one out for It, and we've got one out for Kings from the Golden Circle as well. Great stuff. Thank you very much for listening to this probably equally as long episode of Pitching Tests. We, we've accepted that these are our long-form things, but yeah. these are the, the fun research projects. Yes. I, I had a lot of fun trying to do the X-Men one, so it'll be interesting to see where else this goes and what else we get to try and reincorporate. Hint, Fantastic Four at some point, probably. We never can do a better job than movie, but we're really not. No. Oh, well. Bye, everybody! Bye! Bye.